It's the boy, Bubba, let's come in through. Ella, clutch, flawless, can't be touched. It's your boy, Bubba, let's. Yeah, I need that hot take. I need the truth and everything that is not fake. So tell me Welcome back, Bubba Bunch, to another edition of the Bubba Let's Sports Podcast. It is episode 226, day three of 32 when evaluating NFL teams draft classes. And today at number three overall, we had the San Francisco 49ers. It was going to be Miami. It was going to be Houston. But trades after trades, here we are with the 49ers moving up to that third overall spot to get their future quarterback, it seems. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, it's been three days in a row, Jets, Jaguars, and it's been really fun over the last couple of days. We've gotten a lot of views on YouTube. We're, we're getting traction on pretty much everything, and I appreciate everybody that's tuned in for the streams, to the videos, anything like that. So we'll, we'll keep pushing them out for you guys. So thank you very much. Well over 100 subscribers at 107. We gained another one. And uh, at 14 followers on Twitch, so hopefully that number gets bigger. But, you know, small goals here and there, and we'll get to it, man. But here we are, day three with the 49ers. This is going to be the first not-so-great draft class in general when it comes to NFL teams. It was bound to happen, but there's going to be some some hot takes in here, and there's going to be some real praise for some of these lower-round draft class or draft picks by the 49ers. And uh, today's favorite player for me is going to be like a fifth or sixth rounder. I can't remember, but we'll get to him in a second. Let's start it off with the first round draft pick for the San Francisco 49ers in need of a quarterback, cornerback specifically with Richard Sherman, whether or not he's going to stay or go. There are reports that are saying that there are contract negotiations between the 49ers and Sherman. So that's good. I think that having him back after this draft is key. They need a veteran guy. The guys that they have right now are on one-year deals. They have injury history. And Richard Sherman is the key that holds, or, or the glue that holds everything together in the secondary. So cornerback is huge, which they address. Guard, center, something interior for that offensive line. Wide receiver. Once you go past Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, there's not much really as far as threats or playmakers for the 49ers so maybe one extra wide receiver could really do some damage for this offense and interior defense alignment uh, I, I think is a big part of it now their edge rushing with D Ford Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa I think those are solid guys right there so interior wise that's where they need some help um, so first round they go number three overall they take personally my least favorite quarterback in this draft which is North Dakota State's Trey Lance. I had it like this. I had it Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Um, then it was Kyle Trask, then it was Trey Lance, and then it was Kellen Munn, Davis Mills. But I'm purely basing it off what they are right now. The whole idea of drafting Lance at number three overall was not for the quarterback they're getting now. They're they're picking number three overall, Trey Lance, for what he's going to be in four years. Three, four years, let's just say. You know, Jimmy's going to play this year most likely because the trade has not happened. And, and Kyle Shanahan has made it clear that, like, nothing's a guarantee, but right now Jimmy G's our guy. So at least a year, one more of Jimmy G. And I think after that, that's when Trey Lance is going to get the starts 
And even in a second year, I don't think he's going to be developed enough and polished enough to be a well-rounded starting quarterback in the NFL. He is an incredible athlete. He has tremendous talent as far as his overall like build and the attributes that he has. But I can't say right now that he is a good quarterback. I'm sorry. Like I'm taking the Lamar Jackson way of this. I'm taking the Lamar Jackson argument. This guy still doesn't have development in his arm. As much film as you want to show me, which isn't a lot, the arm's just not there yet. If you want a runner, go right ahead. This is your guy. And maybe he'll have that success that Lamar Jackson had. The MVP type of Lamar Jackson that, yes, he can throw, but it's mainly going to be the plays with his legs that are really going to do some damage. So... If that's what you want right now, go right ahead. That's just not my cup of tea. Agree to disagree on that. Oh, he never threw a touchdown in college. He played Ball State and Illinois State. That's not competition. And really, the throws weren't that impressive. So don't don't tell me that that stat's going to be the deciding factor of why he went number three overall. Because it just it can't be the reason. And personally, trading up to number three overall... To get a quarterback that might be great in three to four years, it's just not the way to go. Especially when Mac Jones... Oh, I forgot about Mac Jones. So it's Trevor Lawrence, it's Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, then Kyle Trask, then Trey Lance. Sorry about that. But, like, there are plenty of other quarterbacks. I didn't like the Mac Jones conversation either. But I don't think you should have that conversation no matter what because Justin Fields was there. Justin Fields would have been perfect for the San Francisco 49ers. And yet he dropped all the way down to 11. This doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. I'm not investing a number three overall draft pick on a guy that is the worst like development-wise out of anybody. That That's not a quarterback yet. He's not a quarterback yet. You're basing it off the potential of him being a great quarterback in three to four years. That can't be your basis for getting a guy when you had multiple other choices to pick from. You didn't have to be stuck with Trey Lance. You could have just been like, well, we like Trey, but for right now, Justin Fields makes more sense. Mac Jones makes more sense, even though he's not mobile. At least, like, Jimmy G is not mobile either in the slightest. He can move his feet, but... That he's not a running quarterback. He's not a dual threat quarterback. Neither is Mac Jones. But I would expect an upgrade from Jimmy G to Mac Jones. Why'd you settle for Trey Lance just because you potentially think he's going to be great? We we all think these guys are going to be potentially great, right? Like we have the potential of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, on and on and on, and all of these other draft classes. It, it's it's not just the position of quarterback. It, it's every position. But I'm not getting a top 10, top 5, top 3 pick overall and say, give him three years, he's going to be good. Maybe. No, it can't be based off of that, man. I really can't. He's a running quarterback. His highlights say he's a running back. He played at North Dakota State, which doesn't have the great history of quarterbacks. If your only argument is Carson Wentz, then you have no argument. You really don't. We saw this project before with Carson Wentz, and guess where it's at right now? I think he's going to be good enough in, in Indianapolis to where they're all right. They don't need to have a star-studded quarterback. This is not the same situation. I think the 49ers are going to be 
overall roster wise great they they were banged up they were injured all of last season but they are playing in the nfc west it's not going to be easy and if you're just relying on in three years from now hopefully we have our guy i can't accept that man i can't accept that why trade up when you could have just waited and and the argument or, or the reports that come out and say that the 49ers were somewhat influenced by the fans to get trey lance they were influenced outside of their own bubble or or circle. I don't agree with that. I don't like that at all. I think that the 49ers made a bad decision. If you look at the film, he's an amazing athlete. He's amazing, just physical specimen. But the arm isn't there yet. I'm still waiting for Lamar Jackson to develop that arm enough to where he feels confident. It's in year four. It's in year five. Are we really going to have to wait seven years to see if Trey Lance can develop an arm? It's it's just not the right call for me, man. I don't like this pick whatsoever. It's probably my least favorite pick so far. I give it an F. I really do. And, and for a non-football player that's u- uberly um, sc- uh, scrutinizing these world-class athletes, I give it an F. I'm sorry, but I do. Second round... Guard at a Notre Dame, Aaron Banks. This is an A- minus for me. An All-American, All-ACC player in 2020. This is a solid, solid guy on the offensive line. Not to the level of Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. This is a solid guy. Don't love him as much as Vera Tucker either. But I like him. He's going to be a good fit for the 49ers. Talk about... A player that's going to fit into a system where its success fell into the inside running ability because of their offensive line. Let's remember, though, that playoff run the 49ers had to where they didn't have to throw the ball whatsoever. Jimmy G was having a a barbecue in the backfield while he just handed it off to Raheem Mostert on an inside zone. And that offensive line took care of the rest for him. Opened up the gaps, opened up the holes, and Mostert, gone. Against a... A solid Green Bay Packers team that was really good at at rushing the passer that year, with the uh, the Smith brothers, the the neutralization of that defense because of how great they were in the trenches offensively, especially in the interior. This is the type of guy you want in San Francisco for the long term. You got guys on the outside that are getting older, that are not going to be there as long, and you still need that depth inside. This is a guy you build around in Aaron Banks. You know that Notre Dame provides really good offensive linemen. This is another great guy. Solid in the first level protection. This guy is automatic when it comes to pass protection and run protection just against a defensive lineman. Straight up one-on-one battle. This guy cannot be stopped. It's his best attribute. Strength-wise, this guy is elite. He has just a great understanding of his strength, like I said in in previous videos. When he does get beaten, it's him leaving his feet and only using upper body kind of just figures that I'm going to outduel this guy with my strength. And sometimes, not a lot, you're going to see him get beat. But I tell you, it's not going to happen a lot of the time. The weakness that I have with Aaron Banks, and, and really this probably won't matter when it comes to the 49ers unless they do some trickery. But I don't know if this is really going to affect Banks. And he'll he'll get better at this. I, I definitely believe he'll get better at this. His protection at the second level. In 2019, this guy was pretty bad on film when it comes to on a screen or 
at the second level going for a linebacker or cornerback's secondary guy. He's he's slow. I will say that. He he's pretty slow in 2019. He can't find the body quick enough. He looks like he's dragging his feet. He's got heavy legs and kind of like a days ago in that type of protection. In 2020, I did see improvement on that. So if a year is going to give him that much improvement, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't solid yet. But I think another few years in the NFL, especially in a system like this, this will really benefit him. They'll, They'll work on him with that. But yeah, just his biggest weakness is just finding a body quick enough to where he has the block on a screen or on a delayed handoff, something like that, to where he doesn't get there quick enough. And that has to do with his speed. He's a big guy. Really big guy, solid frame, but yeah, he does need to work on that. But this is this is nothing to say that he is going to be anchored by this weakness. Um, and what I mean by like maybe in this system it's not going to affect him is because the success that the 49ers have had with the running game is that they just run an inside zone, they just run it up the middle, and with solid protection at the first level. You really need to worry about the second level. Raheem Mostert's already going to be gone by then. He'll already break tackles and just zoom past someone. And with some other running backs that come out of this class, I think they're going to be really solid with that. But Aaron Banks, love this guy. Love this pick. In the second round, definitely a, a, just a, a beautiful, beautiful draft pick by the 49ers. Really makes up for the bad first round one. Uh, third round, running back Ohio State, Trey Sermon. This was very interesting to me. I give Trey Sermon a B. I I did the film work prior to the draft, so it was just a matter of who would pick him up and what system he would fit under. Uh, I definitely don't think he's going to be a number one guy, so this would fit the bill as far as him being behind Raheem Mostert. His strengths, he's an open field monster with a high football IQ. He's been at Oklahoma. He's been at Ohio State. He knows against the Power 5 conference schools how to break tackles and how to get that extra yard or two. He, He is an amazing open field type of guy good pass catcher out of the backfield which will really coincide with Raheem Mostert give him that two running back set uh, scheme that Kyle Shahan loves to do it replaces some of the guys that have come and gone throughout the years but Trey Sermon is really good at that just look at the film against Northwestern this guy dominated dominated Northwestern in that Big Ten Conference Championship well over 300 yards, I believe. He, he broke a record there. And, uh, I mean, he could not be stopped that night. Speed is his best attribute. This guy's speedy for his size. And once he breaks a tackle and finds open field, there's no stopping him. He's athletic as all hell, man. Yeah, I mean, this is a type of guy that you love to see with Ohio State. And Oklahoma, they love these types of guys as well, especially at running back. At we- uh, As far as weaknesses go, struggles with the first wave of defenders, if we're really going into it, um, I, I do believe that his offensive line helped a lot in his success. Um, kind of bull rushes a little bit. Uh, same thing with the other running back that comes out of this draft class. Um, not really that patient when it comes to letting gaps or letting holes develop. He's more of just a go, go, go type of guy. And, and it's a pro and a con. To, it's a thing that you would love in a, a explosive guy like Sermon. But sometimes you just got to slow it down a little bit. So he's not my favorite running back when it comes to that. He is coming off the shoulder injury that he he gained in the national championship, and he does have previous injury history in 2019 when he was still at Oklahoma. Uh, I feel like if if there is going to be success at the pro level, it's more going to be toward the special teams. However, now that he is behind Raheem Mostert and that offensive line is getting better, this could be a really solid uh, uh, fit for Trey Sermon. 
and, and maybe it's not going to be as bad for him uh, playing at that next level. But I, I think he'll be sufficient enough to make a name for himself at uh, in the NFL. So sticking with the third round, we're going with one of my least favorites uh, or going back to it. Cornerback out of Michigan, Ambry Thomas. Now I will say this man is a fighter. This man is courageous and he's a tough dude tough dude he battled a colon disease in the summer of 2019 and yet still played the entire season now he he got some rest during games you know some uh some drives he would just sit out but this guy man like respect to the just the highest level for for thomas because that disease just was devastating i that had to have been a rough rough year really uh for him to deal with and still play at a d1 college football level at a program like michigan i'm ohio state guy i don't like michigan no one likes michigan at this point but i respect the hell out of thomas he played wide receiver and is also a special teams returner in college so he has good ball tracking skills and agility he's basically built like a wide receiver and when you see him on film playing at quarterback his his head snaps back as soon as it's a go route, a deep route, whatever. As soon as he feels comfortable with the matchup that he has, he turns his head and tracks that ball, which is really nice to see. I love to see a cornerback that does that. That's fundamentally sound. That's what's going to make great cornerbacks happen at the next level. He's very reactive. Like I said, agility is on point. So he's very reactive to routes, whether it's a slant route, go route, whatever. He stays close to the receiver. However... If he does fall behind, he relies heavily, and I mean heavily, on grabbing and holding. He likes to use his hands a lot when it comes to getting an advantage on the wide receiver, even though he's already in front of him. If he's trailing from behind, there's going to be some holding involved. There's going to be some grabbing. It's going to be a, a great thing if you don't get called for that. However, I don't think he's going to have the same success in the NFL by doing that same strategy. So he's not polished, he's not perfect, I get that, and he stays with the routes and the receivers. I just don't think that type of play is going to work out in the NFL, and some teams are just going to take advantage of that. If they realize that they're going to call a pass interference, a holding call on Thomas in the first quarter, why not continue that and do the same things over and over again until they switch it up, until they do something different? They're going to go back to that. Any great quarterback is going to realize that. Any great offensive coordinator is going to realize that. So this could be a, a bad pick just because of the fact that they're going to take advantage of him because of his weaknesses over his strengths. Uh, he did opt out of 2020. So really, we didn't see 100% Ambry Thomas. We didn't see a guy that wasn't dealing with health, health issues outside of football. We didn't see that because he opted out of 2020. So there's really not a lot of great film other than just basing it off of, well, with the health issues, this is how he played. He played great, but how great can he be if he didn't have those injuries I, I or, or with those health issues? And I didn't get to see that. I did. Uh, I do believe I did watch uh, some film from the Senior Bowl workouts, and same thing. Like Even after a year of not playing, he still relies on the grabbing and holding a little bit too much. They did throw flags in those drills, so he did get called a few times. Uh, if there's success for him at the pro level, it's going to be more of a zone type of cornerback, and a lot of experts and analysts would agree on that. So if, if you 
let him off of the press coverage and more on the zone, he can utilize that agility and that ball tracking skill a lot more. Overall, though, I give this pick a C uh, because I don't think this solves any issues that are happening in the secondary. We move on to the fifth round and we go into plenty uh, of good picks here. Fifth round, starting with offensive lineman, guard, Western Michigan, Jalen Moore, B minus for me because this is a project. This is definitely going to take a few years to really master and perfect when it comes to Moore as an offensive lineman. He was recruited to Western Michigan as a tight end. Then he gained 15 pounds. They moved him to defensive end, and then they realized, like, hey, this guy can be a great offensive lineman. He did play that in high school, so he did have that experience already. Ended up being a three-year starter at Western Michigan. And, I mean, these guys at Western Michigan were not giving up sacks. They were the mo- one of the most efficient teams, um, and, and really the most efficient team in their conference when it came to protecting the quarterback and pass yards um, during or per game. But th- this guy is a big reason why. He has brute strength at 6'4", 311, which is actually pretty surprising because most guys are going to be in that 340 to 350 range. This guy at 311 has an amazing understanding of his strength. He's got brute strength, man. It's unbelievable. Long arms, big hands, definitely gives him the advantage, and you see that on film. This guy is one-handing people. I mean, he's just got one hand pushed up, extended, and they're not moving. They're struggling to find some type of opening in this matchup. So it's really amazing to see it at just like that extent, how good he can be with just one arm. Imagine what he can do with two and a good form. On the film as well, he does fall down a lot. And it's really a matter of his technique and his formation. He he relies so heavily on his brute strength upper body wise, much like Aaron Banks. Like sometimes you just realize like, oh, I can't just do all upper body here. I got to use my lower half. Moore doesn't really have that understanding fully yet. So he leans a lot because he's already going with his upper body um, head first, really, and using his, his chest and his arms to win the matchup. What he doesn't realize is that those legs are vulnerable. And with any type of pull by the defensive end or defensive lineman, he's going to fall down. And you saw that a lot in film. I did notice that he grabs onto the shoulder pad a lot rather than the actual like chest area of the shoulder pads or the pads itself. So bad habits like that are why he's a project. And it's going to take a few years. I think it's really going to take two to three years for this guy to really make it and maybe be a, a key part to the starting lineup for the 49ers but those types of habits they really need to go away you can't just one arm people unless you're like i don't know travis frederick or like i don't know kyle long like you you can't you can't have that technique when you're not the best of the best yet so you got to focus on two hands all the time locking it up and and really just posturing up use your lower half and I think this guy can be a really good project that works out in favor of the 49ers. So that's why I give it a B-, a B minus, but this is going to take a few years. So you may not hear the name now. Wait for another two to three years. You may you may hear. Next up in the fifth round, we have Oregon cornerback Diomodor Lenore. And I tell you what, man, like I didn't love the Thomas pick. I loved Lenore. I, I like Lenore a lot more than Thomas. So I give it a B plus. Fundamentally, this guy is what you want in a cornerback. 
good size. He's like around six foot, 200 pounds. So pretty average for that position. But fundamentally, man, good footwork, great hand techniques when it comes to pressuring a wide receiver. Uh, hips aren't the best. Hips aren't the worst when it comes to change of direction and opening up on a change of, of a route. And, and tackling wise, wraps them up. This guy is what you would like to see in a technique, fundamental cornerback play in the NFL. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be honest. He doesn't do anything amazingly. He's not a high-level tackler, high-level pressure guy, zone guy. He does everything pretty much in the same spec of like great or good, somewhat great. But he's not gonna be that guy that goes above and beyond. He's not gonna do that extra little something to make a play. He's just going to do his job, which is really nice. I think that's what they need in, in San Francisco. They need that type of guy that they just can rely on in the secondary. This is the type of guy that you want in Lenore. And really, I, I can say that like technique-wise, the only flaw he has is being flat-footed at times, especially when he hesitates to see if a wide receiver is going to maybe do a curl route or he's going to go on the go route. He's very hesitant when it comes to that and, and gets flat-footed at times. Um, and, and crossing routes are kind of his biggest weakness when I saw in film is that he falls behind a little bit too much, so he can't break up the play, he can't deflect the ball. He's really more of just playing catch-up at that point, so lacks the speed to make up for the crossing routes, and, and with a lot of teams doing that, that's an issue for me at, at uh, the NFL level. So hopefully he can work on that and also work on his on his footing, but in this defense in desperate need of depth at cornerback this is this was solid this was really solid we round up the fifth round with safety at a usc talanoa hufanga and i'll tell you what man out of all the teams so far i know it's only been three but if you want to talk about a steal and the, and the 49ers thought this guy was a steal in the fifth round as well and i agree with him this guy is it he, he is the best steal so far out of all the teams that I evaluated. I love this guy. I loved watching his film. I could watch it all damn day. And maybe I'll watch a little bit more after this. A commander in this USC defense that was very underrated last year. They only lost one game. That was the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon, who was also really good last year. I mean, they had Panay Sewell, for God's sakes. But it was really nice to see those matchups with a great offensive line for Oregon. And, and a ferocious defense for USC. But I think a lot of that credit is due to Hufanga, who led this team, is an All-American, All-Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2020, is always involved in the play, man. He's just always around. He's annoying. It's, it's almost annoying how much and how involved this guy is in every single play. I hate to, to make the obvious comparison, but he's just like a Troy Polamalu. Like, he just reminds me of that type of guy where you just, you can never get rid of this guy. And I love it. A volume tackler. He's always involved in a tackle, whether he assists or, or he just takes the full tackle. He's always there. Man, I think this guy can be really good. I know that there's better safeties athletically, and this guy may not jump out as far as like, He's got tremendous athleticism, but this guy's a fighter. He's a hustler, and I love that. And any type of defensive player, 
uh, like this guy is the epitome of that. Hufanga is my favorite pick from the 49ers draft class. There are some things that I need to worry about, but they're slight. Uh, I'll still give it to you, my man. He's got to work on his run play recognition, finding the holes, finding the decision, or at least deciding quicker on what he's going to do. Because sometimes he just feels flat-footed and makes the decision too late to where he can't catch up because he doesn't have the fastest speed. But if he can work on that recognition, this guy can line up with the linebackers or even toward like the, the cornerbacks or even farther, and yet will still be involved in a running play because he just jets for it. And when he does make that jet for it, he, he makes a very good decision. Has some injury history. You know, he broke his collarbone, and he's had some uh, other side injuries as well. But I think you take a chance on this type of guy. Now, did the 49ers desperately need a safety? No. But in the fifth round, where there's not much to pick from and slim pickings, I'm glad they made this pick. I really am. I really enjoyed this pick, and I give it an A+. Just because I haven't given an A-plus or A to any of these other picks so far. So finally, in the sixth round, uh, surprising that the 49ers went with another running back out of Louisiana, Elijah Mitchell. Does the same things that Trey Sermon does. It doesn't uh, look too far off from what makes Sermon a successful running back. Same kind of issues as far as patience and recognition on the inside. But on the outside, if he finds that edge or finds the sidelines and goes upfield, this guy's got really good speed, good size as well. I mean, he looks like an NFL running back. He really does. I see a lot of them uh, around the NFL today. So Elijah Mitchell, who was a two-star recruit coming out of high school and found his way to Louisiana, over 1,000 yards in 2019, close to 1,000 yards in 2020, was a big part of this offense and their success. Like, I think that in the sixth round, like that, that's a steal. I think that's a real steal, and I enjoy this player. But do I really enjoy the pick? Does it make sense for the 49ers who already have Raheem Mostert? Okay, he has injury history. He was banged up all of last year. So make sure that you have a backup in Trey Sermon. They have Jeff Wilson already, so maybe he can be the third option. Why do you need a fourth? Why do you need to go for a guy in the sixth round when maybe I would have preferred a defensive end, a defensive tackle? Or maybe a wide receiver. You know, take a chance on one of those guys when you need them more than you do a running back. So, Eliza Mitchell, B type of player. I think I'll give him the same grade as a as a Trey Sermon. But the pick, I got I got to give it a D. I, I don't think it was the worst thing in the world to pick, but I don't think it was the best. So, a D overall. And, and as far as the class in general, I do love some of these players. But for what they got done and what they took care of, did they fill those holes? I got to give it a C. I got to give it a C. I just, it's definitely not an A. I think it's a little bit too low to be a B because we're going to have plenty of B draft classes in, uh, in the next coming days. So I got to give it a C. Sorry, 49ers fans. I do like some of these players, though. And I love your roster so far. I think you'll be back better than ever but Trey Lance ain't gonna be the guy and I don't think he's gonna be the guy for a long time so now you're stuck with Jimmy G for at least another year maybe two I'd stick with Jimmy G if I were if I were you you could have had Justin Fields you could have had Mac Jones those are what those are the guys I'd prefer and some of these other guys 
not the best. Not the best. But hey, you got a great safety though. And a great guard. So I can't I can't discredit that. This is gonna do it for the 49ers draft class evaluation. I hope you enjoyed this. You probably didn't because I'm a non-football player. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow we do the Atlanta Falcons, which are kind of just like there. Uh, Kyle Pitts, though, A-plus player. So a uh, quick sneak peek there. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. Uh, watch the stream tonight. It's going to be late. So bear bear in mind that. Or actually, when this comes out, oh, oh my God. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it. We'll see you tomorrow. And this has been your boy, Bubble Let's, on the Bubble Let's Sports Podcast. Yeah, hold on. Tell me who's your top five quarterbacks right now, dead or alive, huh? And how much do you care about a ring if the best player got carried by the team? Mm. Now, would you lose if it